shit gets a little dark this month. In Rose Silly Lightning we're talking about a parent dealing with the death of a child. Pedro and me discusses the AIDS epidemic. Growing up during Iran's revolution and civil war is the focus of Persepolis. We finish with Fun Home, Alison Beckdale's tale of coming of age and the suicide of her closeted dad. We're getting personal, with a month of autobiographical comics. Go ahead with your own life, leave me alone. Come on, you fuckers think that just cause a guy reads comics he can't work for shit? I'll fucking take all you are! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. I'm too sober for this shit. Sure. Don't sound so enthusiastic, man. Sorry, I'm really, really tired. You're fucking tired? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, join, we still join love the you. club. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tired. Hey, but you know what? There is one benefit. What? This is the last <laughs> of our depressing books for at least that a little is, while. That is true. Yay! Hooray, and this one wasn't quite as depressing. So, uh, welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. This is the end of our month of autobiographical books. Uh, we are finishing up with the inspiration for a Tony Award-winning musical, uh, Fun Home by Alison Beckdale, also the creator of the Beckdale Test, uh, similar to the Sexy Lamp Test, which are very similar, but I kind of just like the name of the Sexy Lamp Test, uh, which is kind of fun. And I also have problems with the Beckdale Test, which isn't what you think it is. So I'll, I'll explain later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we have our standard accoutrement. Uh, starting with the expert on the Bechdel test, we have Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's me, Adam from uh, Big Shiny Robot, also uh, the co-host of the Board as Hell podcast with Andy. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. Who wanted to be here today, but uh, like me, he's been crazy busy with work, so he unfortunately could not make it. But yeah, so end of March, I'm just coming off a well-deserved vacation and heading back to work. Uh, but in real life time, because again, this is now what three weeks previous, I am about to enter inventory, and inventory is the worst day of my life. So, uh, send thoughts, good prayers, and lots and lots of vodka. Hooray for vodka! Yay. Hooray! Oh, and speaking of vodka, <laughs> you, you'll be very proud of me. Because last night I uh, had to go pick up Eddie from work, so I couldn't drink at all. And I got home like, you know what? I need to drink, and I have an hour to do it. So I poured myself a glass of vodka and toasted to you. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, knew that's, I knew that's. I was like, "What would Q do?" And that's what Q would do. Just drink a glass of vodka. WWQD so. is what we need. We need. We need what that's would Q right. do? Bracelets. It's yes. true. It's true. And if you ever want to know what Q would do, you can ask him yourself. We have Q. <laughs> Hi, I'm Q. So I just had rehearsal for Tempest today. It's gonna be hilarious. 
people should come see it. We're gonna have auditions for Sister Act coming up in the next few weeks. I can't remember, have I talked about the fact that I got booked for a cabaret? Yeah, but pimp it anyway. So it's gonna mm -hmm. be June 4th in Greenbelt. We're still working out um, details. Um, more information forthcoming. I have to build a Facebook page and all of this stuff. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. sounds good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, th so I'm really, really tired today. I tried to take a nap before we started, but I kept getting distracted by things. So on Friday night or Thursday night, me and my friend Ben went to go see Logan, which is a Yay. great movie. I would talk about it in um, the recommendations, but you guys are all gonna go see it anyway, so, I mean, whatever. <laughs> you better. I'm not gonna bother. Was the Deadpool opener there for yes. that one for you? Yes, it was. So, we went to a 10 o'clock showing, thinking that, oh, okay, it's not, it's not a midnight showing, it's not gonna be super late, we'll still get home, you know, and all that. So, we had about a half an hour to 45 minutes of previews, Mm -hmm. Which was fucking ridiculous. And especially because there wasn't any new ones. It was all ones that had been previously released or on the internet or on TV. So I was like, so I didn't even get anything new. So I was already mad. Well, I did not get out of the movie theater until 12.55. So I was pretty upset. But the movie, was, the movie is also a really long movie, which is, it's good. Go see it. But just don't go to a late showing thing that you're gonna like get out at any decent hour. So I didn't even like get to sleep until like two o'clock. So then, um, yeah, yesterday at work it was just a really long, rough day. Did not get to take a nap like I wanted to after work. And then I went to go see a terrible high school production. <laughs> which I try to support. So I, you know, we have lots of friends who are theater teachers. We have, you know, we know a lot of the kids who are in high school through the community theater. But this was just awful. I'm not even going to mention names because that's just rude. But, oh, my God, it was terrible. So then, you know, of course, we went out afterwards and drank. Not that we stayed out too late. It's just but my body is still just being like, I'm tired. Please stop. So tonight I'm taking a night off from going out. Um, I'm Yeah, I know. I'm getting some shit together. So I've got to get stuff ready for this cabaret. I've got to start work on Sister Act, all of that kind of stuff. However, tomorrow, y'all, it's the mm -hmm. Watch Awards, which I've talked about before. I got my dress today that my Lady Carol made for me. It is going to be off the chain tomorrow. I'm excited. Yay. Fantastic. Sweet. Also going to be wearing a great dress to Watch Awards. We have Todd. You know, it's all about the little black dress, too. <laughs> it, really it does. It shows off my calves the best. I think my calves are the best part. Are you going to shave your legs for that? No. Though? It, it's kind of yeah, like I figured. that's the problem no 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 no. it doesn't you know like what you had a Marilyn Monroe with the mole for me it's my hairy calves oh I got you okay see yeah I'm working with it um but yeah you can find me on the funny books and firewater podcasts not much else I've been not a lot else to talk about I'm my sunburn is almost gone so go me thank you <laughs> and it's a hilarious burn line too it's like oh I knew what you were or were not wearing at that time it's great so but yeah, that's me. Um, and I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California and uh, waiting for some contracts to come in. They should be coming in shortly and I'm doing a bunch of stuff in Utah uh, and uh, doing a video game called Mur Killing, comma, my friend. Uh, and I'm not sure where we are on that. I know we're still <laughs> aiming for a, a uh, release date at the end of the year and 
Like the thing about it is this is that a lot of us are getting not getting paid until it comes out. There's like a couple guys who are getting paid from like money that either the the creator of the game is paying or from uh, like a Kickstarter they did. But like me and like several other people, it's like this is sort of what we do when we have some spare time on the side. So like sometimes the progress is not as quick as it would be on you know another major title and that kind of thing. So that's. Mm-hmm. That's a little interesting, but lucky for me, I, I don't feel. I mean, like I, I, I feel behind on the on it, but then I also look at how quickly things are moving. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm okay. But I mean, hopefully it'll be cool, and uh, hopefully you will uh, you will get to hear some voices. Actually, we should probably record voices with you guys here soon. It uh, good, could be a good idea. Yeah, I should, I should probably get that taken care of. But yeah, so you'll hear voices of these guys and, you know, hopefully some others. Um, this week we are doing Fun Home. Um, because this book uh, is dealing with uh, the suicide of the main author's... Uh, uh, alleged. Alleged. alleged suicide. That is the interesting <laughs> thing. So, And I, I'm going to try not to do it too much, but there are some interesting differences and similarities between the Broadway musical and the book. In the book, she sort of goes through all the reasons of, like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And then she sources, but I don't really believe that's true. Whereas in the musical, they just basically say he just fucking stepped out in front of a truck. Like they just they flat out call it suicide and don't say it's, it's anything e- else. It's just easier for a musical than having to go through all of the ridiculous and ana- um, literary analogies that happen <laughs> in this book. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, and we'll discuss some of that. Because again, in musical, there's just not enough time unless you're turning it into a song. Just make it simple. Well, it's also a short musical. It's only it, there is no intermission. There's 140 minutes. Oh, there's no intermission, really? Yeah, there's no intermission. Uh, 140 in the minutes, y'all. That's still over two hours no, without an intermission. Holy we, shit, that's long. That's like sitting for, through a movie, though. You know? Yeah, well, we just saw um, Matilda. I need an intermission, was, though. Yeah, that was, that was a two and a half hours. So that was you know, you know, 150 minutes, so a little bit longer. But um, yeah, that's that's a long time to have no intermission. Like that's yeah, that, that, yeah. Like again, I don't understand why. Uh, and we can continue to talk about the musical later. But I'm just saying, like, as far as musicals go, like an hour, an hour and a half to an hour and forty-five. Anything longer than that, like you need to have an intermission. Uh, and, and in my opinion, again, I haven't seen Fun Home. I don't. I don't know. Actually, let me. Look, I want to look at something. Maybe I'm lying to you, and maybe I'm. Maybe it's an. Maybe it's an hour and forty minutes total, not hundred and forty minutes. Uh, and, and an hour and forty minutes—that's totally fine. I would yeah. get that. I remember reading it, but I'm seeing if it's on in the program because there is something interesting about the program that I, I got this for that I was going to tell you about. Dead time. Let's we're gonna, a, a whole musical called Dead Time on a podcast. Dead time. <laughs> okay, well, it's not written podcast. in here, so maybe maybe it was an hour and forty minutes. Maybe that's what it was. That and, and to me that's that would make more sense. Yeah, because it didn't feel too terribly long. Because so I, maybe, Assassins is about an hour and thirty, an hour and forirty-five minutes. And that is there an intermission in that? No, because no, because um, like White Christmas, like White Christmas, it's Act One is about an hour and a half. If mm-hmm. if your actors take too fucking long, it's an hour forty. Yeah, <laughs> but so mm. I mean, again, that makes more sense because that's about as long as you usually like to have your first act. We'll discuss it later, but I just didn't see a good logical place for them to do an intermission either. But that's also, I mean, they could have written one in if they really needed to or want to make it longer. But we'll skip past that for now. Um, so, but because of the darker nature, I feel like we're probably going to skip drinking games again this week. Yes. 
But I have a cocktail for you later in the show. Does anybody else have cocktails ready I, for later I in the show? I do. I do too. Okay, yes, cool. So mine's, a, mine's not named appropriate as we're talking about in the chat. Uh, yeah, so we're chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just it just seems a little rude, especially when we're talking about such a feminist writer. It would just well, be, no, 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 be don't get me wrong. That's why that's why I was like I can't call it that because it's a it, trust me. This is like a delicious drink, but I can't call it that name. So. No, <laughs> I know you should call it. I, I have a name for it. I was gonna type it to you, but I'll just tell you right out loud. I think you should reference one of the songs from the musical, and I think you should call it I'm Changing My Major to Joan. Yeah, okay. that works. Yes, I think that is a perfectly appropriate name for that cocktail. It was either that or Ring of Keys, so. Yeah, <laughs> either Ring of Keys. That would be good, too. Yes, so anyway. so. Oh, no, we'll just, we'll just call it the Joan. There we go. Call it the Joan, yeah, whatever you want. Joan, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's, I think mm-hmm. that's better. <laughs> Just don't tell Joan what the original name was. I think Joan would appreciate what the original name was, actually. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think Alison Bechtel would as well, but... <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that later when we discuss the cocktail. Stay tuned for the uh, the exciting reveal as to what the real name of that cocktail was. Um, next episode, stay tuned. Stay tuned. On the next episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, Adam gets a lawsuit this from is, Alison Bechdale. This uh, is Adam from NPR. Hello. Hello. So we're going to go with uh, with grades of the book. Um, we've changed the grading system slightly. It's not run out and buy it, but it's just standard like, okay, if it's good, it gets an A, and if it's shit, it gets an F, and it falls in there somewhere in, mm-hmm. in between, however it goes. Uh, we'll start because he's the last person I heard. Uh, we'll go with Todd. What's your grade? On this, I'll give this a B plus. I really okay. enjoyed reading it, and even when I set it down, you know, taking breaks because it's not a short book, I really enjoyed picking it back up again and as it continued to go through. Um, And even the art was fun and the moments of this book, unlike the others, has shading, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a valid point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this book has shading. So I enjoyed the art better than everything else and the story was fun and it kept the way it was presenting the information and going back and forth. It was, it's a, this book has more depth than the ones in the past few, I feel. And I really enjoyed that. So I give it a solid B+. Go ahead. Okay, Q, what's your your score? I'm struggling with a grade because I still feel like it's really good. I just had, and I I kind of understand, at least in my opinion, what she was kind Mm -hmm. of doing with the writing, Mm -hmm. but I kind of got off-put by a few things, and we'll talk about it later. later. Mm -hmm. So I'm more in, like, a low B, B-. Like, it... Because uh, it, it, there's definitely some stuff that you have to struggle through. I'll go next since I'm just thinking about it. Um, I'm gonna I'm a little bit closer to Todd. Um, I'm probably gonna go I'm probably gonna side with Todd and go B plus. Um, I almost was thinking A minus, but I do think like I think it's really good and strong. There are a few places for rooms for improvement. I also like I will get into it later when we talk about the musical and stuff like that. Uh, Adam, what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm kind of more with Q. Uh, I'm I'm about a B. I'd say it, like an 84 percent if I had to okay. assign a number to it. Uh, no, it's I love the literary illusions, and I had a lot of fun with the whole, you know, uh, the Odyssey and how it tied out, you know, was kind of uh, reverenced throughout the book, and then also in her own private life. Um, but, yeah, it, it just got a bit too wordy, and it's not, it's not like she was writing for the importance of writing, and, uh, again... I, 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 I have my opinions on it. I'm really excited to talk about yeah. it. Like, okay. what, like why? Because yeah. I, I struggle with it because the mm-hmm. literary... Uh, We'll move on, so that way I can okay. dig. Sometimes it felt more like a beak than a graphic novel. So, 
I got gotcha. you. I was like, well, we can jump into this discussion, but we'll jump into this discussion. So we're going to speed things along. So now is your yep. opportunity to uh, read the book and uh, and form your own opinion if you haven't already. So uh, pause the podcast. We'll uh, play a little intro thing here for you uh, with all the information that I'm going to forget to tell you. Uh, so if you pause, we'll hang out and we'll wait. And then when you press play again, we'll be on the same page as you because you've now read the book or if you've already read the book or if you just want to listen to us talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or at least listen to or seen the musical. Listening to the musical, like, there's some great songs in it. I don't necessarily know if you get as much from the story because, like, when I listened to the musical, I had read the book first and so I understood what was going on with the soundtrack. I feel like you could also Wikipedia the story and listen to the musical. That's a good, you know, cliff notes if you want to do it that way. But, like, I think the musical alone, at least the album, doesn't, like, the soundtrack doesn't necessarily give you everything you need to know about it. But, hmm, interesting. Uh, okay. that's, that's, my, that's my two cents on that. Well, no, th- there are definitely musicals that are like that. Like, there, there's some soundtracks where, like, like, you can listen to it and you pretty much know what the entire fucking story is. Like Les Mis, for example. You can listen to the well, soundtrack of Les Mis. Well, the, the, those are also more operas like that, Evita, Jesus Christ Superstar. But like well, Assassin's and Assassins, if you were to just listen to that music, though there are pretty songs and there are some fun songs in it, you still would have no idea what's going on on stage. It's kind of like no. Cats. Oh my... You guys fuck my musical. The only worse than that is Starlight Express. It's people's <laughs> brain, people. <laughs> okay, let's go on our break so that way I can tell you some funny stories about, about musicals. Okay, here we go. So, uh, we'll see you with funny stories about musicals, uh, stories about gay men stepping in front of trucks and uh, lesbians uh, coming into a realization of their uh, sexual preferences and or, uh, yeah, all of that. Anyway. Like pre- prequel to Prayers for Bobby. This is a gross. I don't know what the fuck that means. Okay, so oh. we will see you on the flip side. We'll talk to you later. Bye. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Um, so, Ben, it was in Cats for a very, very, very long time. Not like on Broadway? Broadway? No, but in a professional oh. theater. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so you would have to do two-a-days. So imagine wearing a leotard no. covered in fur yeah. and then having Ooh. to take it off go out to the bar to get a drink and then come back and have to put it back on. So you decided to just say fuck it and would wear it to go to the bar. That's what I would no, imagine. No, well, no, no, no. I'm talking about leave, like having to put it back on because it's been sweaty and gross. You just dance for two and a half hours and, yeah. and Ben just said that it was like the most disgusting <laughs> thing. I would just go to the bar. Okay. I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't give a shit. I'd say, nope, fuck it. Well, unfortunately, when you work in professional theater, <laughs> you will get fined and charged by SAG, or not SAG. Um, After? Yeah, yeah, that one. That one, because mm-hmm. you, you can't leave the theater with with your stuff. Well, then and they now, need to build a bar in the goddamn theater. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also true. Um, shit, there was something else I was going to say. So, uh, I, never mind. I forgot. I'm sorry. My brain isn't isn't working right okay, now. Okay, so Adam, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's equity, not after. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, Adam, I have a question for you just because I've, I've been feeling this a little bit recently and I was going to get your impre- impression on this. As a critic, do you find yourself becoming overly critical of things sometimes? Because I I've, I went and saw the <coughs> musical of this the other day mm-hmm. and I have a lot of friends in theater who I work with who were drooling all over the show. And not to say the show wasn't good, but there were things in it that I was like, I just didn't quite feel it. You know what I mean? Like, And I'm like, am I just becoming a very overly harsh critic because I now basically weekly criticize a piece of 
art? Like, is, is that, or is it just that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to decide if it's, like, if it's like, I've changed, if it's not that great. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm questioning my stance on this a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, it does kind of, it's funny because we have regular conversations where I'll bitch about something and he's like, stop being a critic. I'm like, well, it's yeah. kind of hard when you do it for, I mean, not a living, but you do it professionally. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, it, it is really weird because it's really, I always tell people like, you know, who are like, oh, I'd be so cool to be a film critic or so cool to be like a theater critic. I'm like, be really careful what you wish for because once you put that hat on, it never comes off. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll go to fucking Chili's and I'll be like, oh, well, it's taking them, to, you know, and I'm not trying to be a bitch about it, but it's like you start noticing little <laughs> things you didn't because you've trained yourself to do it. And it's, yeah, and I, I will say it does kind of become more like your regular life because, like, we went, um, you know, pretty much everything we've seen well, at least this season has been really, really good at the the new theater downtown. Um, but mm-hmm. last year they did uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas, and I wanted to, to carve my eyes out because it was. Oh, so I, I saw awful. Elf the Sheared Ours, and I was like, "This is a big steaming pile of shit." Oh my god, I wanted to. But obviously, there was tons of kids there, and they were having fun with it because it was the Grinch. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's it, it's yeah, it's, I'll get out and. You know, Eddie will be going off like, you know, we went and saw Matilda, which I thought was good. He, mm-hmm. he thought it was just absolutely the best thing since sliced bread. Um, I mean, the point where he actually came to me crying, thanking me for buying him tickets. I'm like, well, we use our tax return, so you kind of buy your own ticket. <laughs> I didn't say that at the time because I, like, I was like, maybe I'll get a blowjob out of this. Um, but <laughs> According to South Park, that's exactly what musical theater was invented for. Exactly. It's a, the woman in white. Uh but no, yeah, you, once you put that cap on, it's really hard to take it off. And yes, there are times where I can sit back and just kind of enjoy myself. But generally, it's once I've already seen something. So like my second time around, I can go have fun. But the first experience to pretty much anything out there, it's really hard not to uh, dissect it. Okay. Yeah, because like, that was the thing. So I, I saw the show. And... Like, Which I really want to see, by the way. I've been wanting to see it since it was on Broadway. So I think it's good. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's not good. I'm just at like a ninety percent. You know what I mean? Like so, it's still very, very good. But it's like it's not the best theater I've ever seen, and it's not not the best Broadway show I've ever seen either. You know. So I've seen other things I thought were great. But the thing about it was, and I kind of felt a little bit this way, the same way as I felt about Rosalie Lightning, where I was like, I wasn't into it. I had some issues with it, but I feel like an asshole because it's such a personal story for some people. You mm-hmm. know. And so there's a lot of people who went to see the show and like, oh, this is fucking amazing. I'm like, well, it had issues. And my issue with my particular show might have been performance related more than anything else. Like, and it's hard to put, like, I just didn't feel like the energy was completely there the night that I saw. I think the set was amazing. I actually think that the the story and the music is good and integrated very well. The way they've adapted the book to the Broadway show, I think, is done really, really well. And I think it's very uh, well written. And I thought that was actually really great. I think that the three, Mm -hmm. women who play Allison at her various ages were all great. There's only one, per- like, and the mother I thought was great, the father I thought was great. The only weak point, I think, in the cast were the two kids who played the siblings. And I think the problem with it was, is I don't think they were bad for child-, child actors, but when you have such a strong, strong performance from the young Allison, those kids stand out as not being very good. Mm. That kind of, that threw me off a little bit, but the rest of the cast was really great. But, like, it's a cast of, like, nine people. So you basically have the family of five, you have Allison as an adult as the narrator, you have Allison in college, her uh, lover Joan, and then uh, another, a male actor who basically plays 
two different versions of the dad's boyfriends and like that's the entire cast and so th they were strong it was just like i don't know they were just the energy just didn't feel there but also it's an awkward story about family secrets and you know what i mean so it's like okay well was this a deliberate choice is that part of what it was you know what i mean was it too effective in it and mm -hmm. i just didn't like it because it was too effective i don't know but there was just wasn't enough for me to be like yes this is fucking amazing it was just off just ever so slightly enough to bother me yeah and, and honestly that, that could very well be like you said it could mm -hmm. be just the you know what, what was how long had it been running when you saw it was it opening night was it a, you know was it the middle no, of I the think run it's, or i mean this is the tour i think it's been in town at least well i have the program for me i can tell you once how long it's been mm -hmm. here i mean it definitely wasn't the first night because i know some people had seen it the nights before okay so fun home was february 21st so it's like the second or third week of it okay so it's been, yeah so I, I could say like if it was maybe the first night it might have been yeah. nerves but i mean yeah. the, the fact that it was coming across that way i'd because the touring cast, I mean, they, they do, I did see a touring cast that was bad. Um, yeah. So I would assume maybe that's how it's supposed to be come across is that it's, it is a very awkward situation. And, uh, you know, if, if I was, you know, to come out to my parents and then my mom told me like, oh, I guess what? I'm a lesbian and then kill herself two weeks later. That would, that'd be, and I was writing my memoirs. <laughs> that'd be a very, yeah. very awkward thing. So I don't know. I'm interested to see it though. I, it's not coming here, unfortunately. And yeah. I'm not taking a trip down to Denver or Salt Lake or vegas to go see it so i'll have to eventually right now it's playing in la but later in the year it's playing at the theater close to my house if you want to come to southern california he's got a great couch i do have a great couch todd slept on it before yep but will it fit too <laughs> uh, sure <laughs> you guys can stack on top of each other yeah that's right Actually, I, I do want to come down to california and visit hopefully maybe in june just kind of see my schedule that might be about when it's here actually oh cool um and like literally i live like three freeway exits down from the theater like it's not very far away well i guess since we're already kind of discussed the musical the thing i mean and we're probably discussing things the thing i think is interesting is the musical there, there's obviously in this book uh well should we sum up i mean i guess we've pretty much sum up what the title is essentially or what the what the the story is i mean i don't know do we need to sum it up a little more q oh the the book wise i don't yeah I, I, because the the so this book though it is not quite as stream of consciousness as rosalie lightning but mm -hmm. not as linear as pedro and me or Perse persepolis mm -hmm. it still wanders in and out of time and just sort of makes more sense thematically than it does linearly. So it, do it doesn't start when Allison Bechtel is born and then ends now. It sort of interweaves through time more about like how the different stages of your lives relate together. But yeah. in a nutshell, mm -hmm. the story is um, Allison, who is the oldest of three children, um, her relationship with her parents, who are sort of cold and distant and um, very academic type people and how she sort of comes into her own as, as a woman, as a lesbian, as a, as a butch woman and coming to then find out that her father was um, a closet homosexual who had affairs with mostly younger men and men that they knew for, for you know, in, in their lives. They were in, in, integrated into their lives. Um, and then he had an untimely death, which could be perceived as suicide, could be perceived as a tragic accident, really kind of depending on the circumstances in which you want to look at it. Um, other than that, I don't think that there's, like, hard plot lines that you need to follow, just kind of, um, you know, time just sort of all relates 
back to itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Is there anything that I'm kind of missing? No, not really. Uh, I mean, no. uh, and the fact that they grew up in um, sort of small town Pennsylvania. One of the things I feel like, and, and maybe this is, I'm going to pull an Amy here, Todd, so tell her uh, that I, I'm blaming her for this. Good. So her father is obsessed with fixing up the house and finding antiques and things like that and trying to basically create this really beautiful house. And so it sort of seems to be, in the book at least, that the house is sort of this sort of symbolism kind of thing for him trying to create a facade, a life that seems beautiful and normal, whereas he has a secret, little bit slightly darker side to his life. I mean, a little, I guess more secret. Darker is probably not necessarily the right term. The, the fancy home that they show to people is not their real mm-hmm. life. Um, it's sort of what it is. And in the book, or in the play, they sort of play on that as well, where they have mm-hmm. the, the father's working on the house and whatnot. But the thing is, the way they, they situate the set and the play is that everything is very bare bones, so they also use it as a reference. I think this is very specific to the, the musical, not necessarily to the mm-hmm. book, but it, it's a reference to the details of memory. A lot of the, the play has to deal with her trying to remember the past and trying to piece it all together. So the set gets more fleshed out as the memories become more vivid. And as they're mm-hmm. less vivid or more vague the set is not as concrete oh that's fun i like that i don't want to give away one of the tricks they do in it but it's they do something very clever with the way the set is established but it's very obviously they're kind of doing a thing of like trying to piece together her memory of what's going on and so there's a certain point in time where the set is very full and very lush and that's where some of the memories are the most vivid and then it sort of parses down and breaks apart again um which i think is Um, a very clever way of doing things the, the other thing that we forgot to mention is why the book is called Fun Home. So oh. the family the family runs a funeral home, and the kids all call it yeah. the Fun Home. Which also... It's morbidly re- delightful. Yes. It is, well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's... I mean, I was a big fan of the, the TV show Six Feet Under, so I, I appreciated that to a certain extent. And my, um, and my mother worked in a funeral home for right. like 12 years. Oh, is there any kind of thing like that where you're, you're dealing with mm-hmm. life and death? You, you've got to have a sense of gallows humor. Otherwise, you'll, yeah. you'll go crazy, so... Mm-hmm. Well, it also reminded me, I don't, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Dave, I think his name was, who was an acting student? Sounds vaguely familiar. Um, his family... Oh, no, were, yes, no, I do remember him, because now I remember, because I remember talking to him about funeral homes. Yeah, yeah. Because he was my roommate for a year, and uh, and so he was. Uh, his family owned a mortuary, and so basically, really, what he was doing is he was going and sort of similar to this, like a mortuary in a small town, family owned. He was pretty much going to take over the business, and so he was going to school basically to study what he was going to do in his spare time when he's waiting for people to die. Like that's basically what they did, you know? What I mean, because it was sort of a foregone conclusion that he was going to take over the family business. I had heard once a story. This is terribly morbid, but this is what I did to him once. I'd heard a story about like medical students when they first start to deal with cadavers like they have a really hard time with it but as they get more and more accustomed to it they can sit there and just eat a sandwich right next to a dead body and like it doesn't bother them at all so i wanted to find out and like and as pretty much any of you hung out with me know that i can eat very quickly mm-hmm. so <laughs> i had uh, i we had gone to like wendy's at one point in time and i had ordered my meal and i got it early enough that i basically had it finished by the time he got his food so then when he sat down with his food i basically asked him to explain the embalming process and he just sat there eating his meal completely explaining what it was and it would just be like and then he drained the blood and then he would slurp out you know like his soda like and it didn't bother him at all and i was just i had this morbid curiosity to see if someone could actually do it i wish i remembered more about the embalming process from that conversation because i don't really remember all of it but it was actually pretty interesting so yeah so there's there's my morbid two cents on that whole thing your mom had some funny stories too i mean yeah my, my mom's got some crazy stories about working at the funeral home all i remember her telling me was one about her having to climb through mud to get body out of a uh, car in not, her hills not not mud the uh-huh. river 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, working at the funeral home, my mom always had to wear heels, pantyhose, and a dress because that's mm-hmm. you know, that was the the dress code. And there was um, a body discovered in the river, and police were not allowed to touch it because then it could contaminate evidence in case it turned out to be a homicide you know all of that stuff so my my mother who uh is about five four five two mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. in her in her four inch heels <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. wading out into the river and grabbing this body and pulling it in <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah uh, i mean she has more stories i just uh, I, well some of them are gross but yeah asking your mom about working at a funeral home is actually a very entertaining yeah, um, afternoon <laughs> people always ask mom if she if she found it um unsettling to have um a body in the back of the in the back of the van as they were transporting them and uh-huh. she was like why they're not going anywhere not <laughs> yeah. like she's like they don't talk back to you yeah, <laughs> no backseat driving. So I, I think you're probably too young at the time, but like I think if you were a little bit older, I could imagine you like putting some sort of thing that like knock on the inside of something just to fuck with her or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, or at least yeah. your brothers. I could see your brothers doing that too, though. Um, Adam, we keep cutting you off. By the way, uh, no, I no. was I was, uh, was pre med in college, so like we okay. we were always dissecting mm-hmm. gross things and looking at you know sections of human bodies. And yeah, when you're studying for a final, you're in the middle of the lunchroom eating like floppy joes while looking at like a cut open heart and because you've looked at so much of it and done it so much yeah it doesn't it, it, it ceases to become like oh this was part of a human being to it's like this is just a, like a tinker toy if you're gonna yeah. quote uh frederick frankenstein so gotcha but yeah after, after a while you, you see it so much and it just it doesn't gross you out i mean i could i can sit there right now and look at the like, autopsy photos while i'm eating dinner because i've done it for i did it for two years so yeah that stuff's all gross guys i don't do that <laughs> you're all messed I, up I don't like <laughs> masturbate to it. I'm just saying, like, you know, I could sit there and look at while I'm eating dinner. So, so I'm just gonna kind of ramble on for for a few minutes, like I do. So <laughs> I I did like I did like the story. I thought that it was mm-hmm. interesting. I really liked the art because it was done not in black and white, but had shadings in um, a very cool grayish blue that um, mm-hmm. kept it sterile kept it um, cold, kept it distant, which is very much giving you the sort of feeling that, that you got in this family. Everyone was sort of, um, she talks, there's like a really cool image of their house and how all five of them are just in their separate rooms, doing their separate things. They're all very separate. She talks about the, the, the lack of touch that they all had. Um, that showing affection was just very weird and unsettling to them. So my biggest issue with the book. Oh, so also the everyone in the book is obviously very smart. Um, there's lots of literary references, and you know she mm-hmm. studied it. Her dad studied it. He was an English teacher. You know all all of this stuff is kind of their one kind of common thing. Um, and you know they'd read the same books, which then went. Um, there's a there's a cool little part in it where she talks about how her father didn't show her attention because he had no real need for little children. But as she got older and actually started to show interest in the things that he was interested in she said it was already too late and i didn't you know want the relationship and uh but then as she got into college and was reading a lot of the stuff they actually had a better bond because they could discuss things as and it's very interesting as she gets older 
in the in the story because uh, like the last bit is mostly when she's in college when she's discovering she's a lesbian and all you know all of the stuff and trying to get through this English class and developing this relationship with her father before um, his death the analogies to the literature that she's reading becomes much much more apparent mm-hmm. and it's like she's treating the reader as her father treated her by pushing them away with literary references. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't read any of the books that they mention in, yeah. in, in this story. I am not an idiot, but I'm also not an academic. So a lot of the references and things that she's talking about, and she uses lots of bombastic vocabulary. You're welcome, SAT word. Um, <laughs> she uses like a, a, you know, a, a lot of those kind of kind of things, and it's a little bit off-putting. And I, though I I feel like I get what she's trying to do. She's tr- again trying to treat you the way that her father treated her. So you kind of understand that because I'm pretty sure that he talked to her at four years old the way that she talks in this book. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she, at, at four, she's like, I don't know what any of those words mean. Why, you know, why are you talking to me? <laughs> but it was a little bit off-putting because I'm just like, all right, now I just want to get to the end of this book. If, if this is all we're going to talk about from here until the end, then I'm kind of, then I'm checking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, 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 it was getting to be too much, too much literature, too many literary references. So I'm like, I don't understand your references because I didn't take fucking lit in college. I took the bare minimum of how to write an essay in college. Uh, again, I get it. I, fe- I, I feel like that's what she's trying to do to still to show that distance and that kind of relationship. But uh, um, I'm trying to think what uh, what else I wanted to say. I really liked the 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 way that um, she, as a child, immediately says, yeah, I hated ridiculous adornment. She was like, things need to be simple. Mm-hmm. And j- just because her dad was so fastidious and, you know, redoing the house and wanted to have all these adorning things, again, trying to put on the facade of yeah. perfection mm-hmm. or um, elegance. And uh, and she just immediately was like, nope, don't want to do yeah. that. I, I want to wear cowboy boots and shorts and all of that stuff. And her growing up and saying that she was like, she didn't want boobs and the fact that it hurt when they started growing in and they were just a nuisance <laughs> to her. Um, how she, and I, I also love this, when she accidentally found out that she was a lesbian by, like, reading, like, in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, what it was. Like, I was like, okay, girl. Um, I, I found all of that really interesting. And I like the way that she portrayed her father, who... who could real kind of be a tragic figure, and again, I haven't seen the musical, so I'm not sure how he's portrayed in that. But like, mm-hmm. but then she's like, no, he was still kind of an asshole, and that's you know, if, if I were to make him a, a tragic figure, that wouldn't be true to him because he still did things that he should not have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I re- I really like her mother, who was just really no nonsense about yeah. everything. Uh, which is which is kind of great. Just because I, you know, I grew up in a family of all boys, and I always felt very different from my brothers. And like she really doesn't mention her brothers that much. And yeah. you know, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that because they, you know, they were all kind of like that distant. Maybe they don't have like the best relationship where you know they talk all the time or whatever. But it would have been nice to know a little bit about them. But then it could have been like they didn't want to be in the book, so she didn't put them in. Um, it just I, I just would yeah. have liked to have known how how her brothers kind of all re- reacted to all of this. 
So, yeah, I actually 100% agree with you about the brothers thing. I've actually had that thought a few times. Like, I would just like, like to know kind of what happened with them. You know what I mean? Did one of them take mm-hmm. over the family business? You know what I mean? Like, what... Mm-hmm. It is some stuff that way. Uh, the other interesting thing is, I think your your thought on the father as a tragic character, but also as an asshole, I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like that definitely holds up in the musical. They portray him very much that way. Like, he's kind of a dick, but she also, it all, they almost kind of played up as if when she comes out of the closet, she is just at a point where she could almost connect with her father. Like, that they could almost mm-hmm. understand each other. Like, they're just right on that borderline. Mm-hmm. And kind of one of the spots where they do that is the, um, is the car ride, and in the book, they go to a bar, and then she gets kicked mm-hmm out mm-hmm. because she's um, underage. Mm-hmm. But in the musical, it's like, hey, we should go to a bar. She goes, oh, I can't. And, you know, but it's that car ride is like them just about to connect and then he kind of avoids it and uh, he steps away. And, and so like that's kind of where part of the tragedy is, is that they could almost connect and then don't. But they do play him up as kind of an asshole. They also kind of, like, there's a few like affairs that happen throughout the book that kind of get written mm-hmm. off as like just into a conversation with her mother. That, you know, her mom just sort of says, you know, like he, he, he says he has to go to um, the mental hospital to go to a psychiatrist because he's bad and then his mom kind of and then her mom just kind of says well your father had affairs with these men and has you know I mean like sort of later in the fact mm-hmm. uh, Todd what are your thoughts right now you know reading it and the father is an interesting I mean he's not a tragic hero or anything it is tragic what's interesting about it is how she kept saying you know my dad is an imperfect dude and she wasn't hiding his imperfections or anything but at the end of the day it keeps coming back it's like and it's still my dad and as much as anything else, you can look at things as people are people. I mean, I know I've we've all aren't proud of every things in life, and we all have our weaknesses. And you, at the end of it, and she says, you know, we never quite connected like we wanted to, but there's still a connection there that she feels she has. And I really enjoyed that. And one of the saddest parts in the whole book for me, as I was reading it personally, he's talking about when the parents first met they were in europe and then there was this line like and eight years have passed and the glow with my mother's now gone yeah and that right there for me as much as any other line in that whole thing that kind of punched the gut as anything else is her relationship with her father i mean this mother or wife it has deflated the one so they're in a relationship that has some false pretenses going on and it's it seems to be a bit untenable and it's just cracking all around so i mean it's sad but there it, there was a it felt really real to me and it, they were not trying to oh look how terrible this was though there was some rough spots or not how perfect it was because there was good spots but it just felt real and i buy it you just watch it and you're like yeah i see this i buy this Absolutely, I don't feel like you're just bullshitting me. And that aspect of it, I really enjoy it. And it, it comes into play a little bit with me. There was a lot of references to The Great Gatsby and Fitzgerald in this book. So actually, the alcohol drink I have picked for it happened to be um, Fitzgerald's favorite, and that's called the Gin Ricky. What it is, it's a highball glass filled with ice, then you put an ounce and a half of gin, take a limb, lime, you cut it up, squeeze it in there, dump it into the drink, and then finish it off with club soda and drink. And that's the Gin Ricky, and it's the uh, Fitzgerald Sparrow Special. There was a lot of references to the house and Fitzgerald and how the father was trying to remake himself a bit of much, how Gatsby was trying to do it as well. Okay. And there was a lot of moments in there but i i like it because it really she it wasn't trying to amp anything up more than it was from her view and i appreciate that 
So it was kind of like a bullshit free story of a lot of she wasn't necessarily sure about. And I rather like that. So that's my review of it. I'm going to throw in my cocktail as well. Um, I took okay. mine based on the fact that everything, the house they reference, you know, Vic, uh, having tried to put together this Victorian house and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I actually looked up Victorian cocktails and I found a whole lot of information about how everyone, uh, you know, sort of credits America and specifically New Orleans with the creation of the cocktail. And there are some evidence of cocktails being created in England slightly beforehand. So, and there's a whole article on cocktails that Charles Dickens wrote. So it's literary as well as being Victorian. Uh, but so this one is, uh, it's, I'm calling it, it's called the Sherry Cobbler. Uh, it's uh, from 1862 is where this uh, recipe supposedly started. It's four ounces of sherry, uh, one tablespoon of sugar or simple syrup, two orange slices, and, oh shit, I can't, it's handwritten, so it's fucking hard to read. Uh, Muddle orange slices with the sugar in the bottom of a glass, uh, add the sherry, ornament with, oh, it's something berries. So they're, they're ornamenting with berries, whatever that missing ingredient is, and I'll try to fix that up so mm-hmm. you can see it on our website. Adam, I know you have a cocktail you had to change your name of. Do you want to talk about that? I do, yeah. So uh, we're going with this, we're calling it the Joan. Uh, and what it is, uh-huh. you take a uh, one ounce of Midori, one ounce of Malibu, six ounces of pineapple juice, uh, and two, just a little bit of, just a little bit of a seven up, just kind of top it off, stir it all together and pour it over ice. So. And what was that drink originally called? Uh, it was called, we'll talk about it next episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> My cocktail. Um, so the the dad is shown multiple times um, drinking sherry because he's yeah. a sedity queen. And um, so I found a cocktail called the Adonis. I also thought, you know, that would be a, a, um, an, it, it was an interesting name of a cocktail because he definitely liked them young boys, them young athletes. Mm-hmm. So it is one and a half ounces of La Inafino Sherry. One and a half ounces of sweet vermouth, two dashes of orange bitters, and then a lemon twist for garnish. So you um, stir all of the ingredients. You don't shake them. You stir all the ingredients with ice, strain into a glass, and then garnish garnish with a lemon twist. It okay. sounds real sedity. It sounds <laughs> like uh, this old queen <laughs> sitting in his library, because bitch got a library. <laughs> and... Uh, Enjoy, enjoying a little cocktail as he's dreaming of cock. So there actually is an original drink called the Cocktail from 1833. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So it's an old Victorian cocktail that I found, and I was gonna, I was thought about using it, but I'm like, ah. Eh. But just for your reference, this is kind of what it is. It's very interesting. It is one uh, tablespoon of sugar or simple syrup, two ounces of rye whiskey, rum, gin, or brandy. Take your pick. So any of those boozes. Three ounces of water, mm-hmm. four dashes of bitters, and nutmeg. And you combine all four ingredients in and stir and top with the nutmeg. And that was like sort of like the original cocktail. So sort of. Choose your own adventure as far as liquor goes, but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. We're getting about to that time. Um, just before we kind of get into final thoughts on things, there was one thing I thought was interesting that I kind of wanted to bring up about this is uh, in the program I had for the musical, and I'm assuming it wasn't on the Broadway musical originally because it's written about the Broadway opening, uh, Alison Bechdel actually wrote like a little comic story. It's about f- 12 panels regarding like sort of like the musical itself and it's kind of interesting i guess she wasn't at the actual premiere she had to do an engagement um like a speed engagement or something like that in ohio so she she talks about her 
trying to look up the reviews on the New York Times because she wasn't necessarily familiar with musicals, but she knew that the New York Times review meant a life or death, and so it sort of centered around her trying to find out what's going to happen that way. And mm-hmm. one of the things I thought was very interesting is she talks about how she'd seen it in previews and how someone had to explain to her how, like, why a tragic story like this could be turned into a musical because musicals are often about life and death, but she didn't wasn't necessarily aware of that. But the thing I thought was most interesting is she talks about how she told her mom that she was going to be in the, like, about the musical and her mom kind of didn't necessarily care, but she thought it was really interesting that her mom had been in plays all of her life and that her mother yeah. and her father had actually met actually doing a play, apparently. Yeah. And when she finally reads the review, then realizes that the play is going to be okay. She thought it was kind of fun because her mom died shortly after the play opened. Or no, shortly before the play opened. So her mom didn't actually live to see the play officially open, but she sort of said that it was kind of fun that um, that her parents, she ends it with, my parents who met as it happened in a play would go on living in one, which I thought was kind of an interesting idea that, that their story would continue on in this play for a very long time, and since that's where they met, so which I thought was kind of an interesting little coda that's not actually in the book but was in the program for the musical. Fun little idea. Uh, Todd, what are your final thoughts? Back again, I enjoyed this, but I've not seen the musical at all, so I'm there with Q, so I don't have familiarity with it that at all, so it's just with this book. I enjoyed this book again. I would recommend people to read it. Out of the last four, kind of after getting used to this rating system, I might want to revisit a few things by all means, but I, this one had the... It's the highest of these autobiography on the um, rereadability type of a deal for me. Mm-hmm. So, so, of the past four of this theme of the month, it seems... I would read this one again before any of the others, and yeah, so I rather enjoyed it. Go, Ms. Beckdale. You did a great job. Adam, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, but like I said originally, I, I give this a, a B. Um, I did mm-hmm. like it overall. I think there were times when she was just writing words for the sake of adding words in to make it sound smarter than it is. Not mm-hmm. that this isn't a, a dumb book by any means. No, it, it's a very smart book, and there's a lot going for it. But it almost seems like this is something that I would be assigned to read as a college student and not something I go out and actually want to read for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not quite with Todd as far as saying that I would want to go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to see the musical. I mean, this, it, it's a different medium and as much as it's telling the same story from what I'm getting from you, Brian, is that it t- mm-hmm. does tell it a lot differently. So, um, yeah, I, I like the liter- literary illusions, the whole thing with like the, the Odyssey and how it tied back in and I'm a huge fan of mythology, so that was kind of fun for me to see that, and I enjoyed that. And it's it's a it is a very you know I, I, tragic slash funny story. I mean, mm-hmm. the front cover says a tragic comedy, and mm-hmm. it just it would be interesting um, to be in that kind of situation where you know you you find out more about your your parents than you thought you, than you knew beforehand, and also that you had a lot more in common than you thought you did. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that led to. Some, some bad decisions made by her father and um, yeah I, I don't know it's it's it was a really dense read it took me a, a while to get through it um, and I kind of feel with, like with Q how it kind of felt like we were being talked down to a bit and I, I hate that but I'm glad I read it it's something I think we should you should read but I, I'm not looking to go back and read it again anytime soon I'm with Adam I probably won't read this again unless I see the musical and then feel the need to sort of read certain parts again um, to, uh-huh. you know, uh, like re- re-establish myself with maybe more details that were left out of the musical because obviously, you know, they're not going to be able to fit this entire dense book onto the stage. And the speaking down to, I, I said it like eight times already, but I feel like I know what she was trying to do in establishing that separation between the reader 
and and herself the way that that her father would, but it's still off-putting. Um, and the the literary references, I'm just like, girl, like unless I'm right now a college student in a literary class, like come on, nobody cares. Exactly. Yeah. I still liked it. I feel like it's um, you know an interesting thing. I'm very happy that um, you know LGBT support and um, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, being seen representation is, is happening um, with this book and sort of even kind of talking about um, with LGBT history of closet cases and all of that kind of stuff and people feeling comfortable and coming out. You know, I'm glad that that has happened and, you know, it was a Tony winning musical, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I would pro- maybe side more with, with, with a B than a B minus, but um, still just, you know, when, when you get to those parts, just plow through. So I know that um, as far as my discussion of this has been, I know I've talked about the musical more than I've talked about the book, mainly because that's one of the few, the change in perspective that I have to add to this conversation more than anything else, but uh, focusing on the book, like, I really liked this book the first time I read it. Um, I think it was probably one of the last times I was in Utah when we recorded live episodes last year, uh, mm-hmm. or in-person episodes. Uh, I loaned it to Amy while I was in town, and she she read it while I was there. Um, the thing about it is, is like, I, I, I agree with you that there is that part in time where it's sort of talking down, but the thing is, opposed to, like, a Jonathan Hickman, where I feel like it, it's intended to make you feel stupid, I feel like this is, as I think you hit a nail on the head where it's more distancing but it doesn't necessarily take away from the story i think it influences and saying you know and and sort of distances you and gives you that experience but i don't think if you don't know those references you don't understand what the fuck is going on whereas i think hickman sometimes tries to push that and say you know go back and do your fucking research to to figure out what the fuck i'm trying to say i don't feel like that in this as much and and so in that regards i really like it um and as far as the musical goes i think it is a really good adaptation of it i think it's it's really well done i think it hits uh, a lot of the i don't i don't feel like there's you know how sometimes you go see a movie about something you've read and you're like, well, they fucking left out whatever. I feel like it hits all the bases pretty solid. You know what I mean? And I think uh, the mother becomes a more fleshed out character to a certain extent in the musical than the the book does. So it benefits probably the mom the most uh, as far as being translated to the musical. I thought the I think the two of them paired together is actually a pretty interesting experience of seeing these two perspectives together. Um, but I actually really like it. Um, does anybody have any recommendations? Yes. Okay. Um, so my first, so first, go see Logan. It's really good. I have <laughs> I have very few issues with with um, with some things, mostly as a comic nerd, and not, not with continuity or you know adapting the story. Not any of that. My biggest issue with a lot of the X Men movies is with the ginormous amount of mutants that you can use at your disposal that have already been created, and just giving some fanboy service cuz i mean how you know, how hard is it to just use someone who's already there um, instead of creating new characters that no one's going to care about so in the movie um, this isn't really spoilery there's a bunch of kids that are there um, but there's only one of them that isn't that is an actual that you know is an actual reference character the others are like kids that they kind of made up and i'm just like you couldn't you couldn't have like done just a little bit more research and found some other kids to use. 
I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff always bothers me, but it doesn't doesn't affect the story. It, it's not that big a deal. Um, the other thing is that we get that it's a rated R movie. You don't have to say fuck all of the time. <laughs> no, I like that the first ten words of the movie were fucked. Yeah. And, and the thing is that, that that established that yes, we're now in a rated R movie and this is going to be different. And that's all that you really needed to have. I didn't need every single sentence to have fuck shit or fuck fucking shit in it. It was it was a lot of overkill and really off putting for me. Again. I'm glad it was rated R. I think that it benefited the movie a lot for it to be rated R, especially as far as the fighting and having showing Wolverine realistically fighting people with claws coming out of his hands. And I think it w- was really great to have X23 in there, again, showing like that contrast of making children weapons kind of a thing. I thought that was great. I just didn't need to have as much swearing. Um, but re- my real recommendation for this week is Legion, another X-Men based um, Yes! This is a TV show mm-hmm. starring Dan Stevens, who's mo- who's known for Downton Abbey and is going to be appearing as the Beast in the new live action Beauty and the Beast. It is so mindfuckery that it's, it's great. I still am not 100% sure I know what real life is. The sort of basis of the show is a character named Legion, who in the comic books is Charles Xavier's son, um, who suffers from uh, multiple personality disorder, and his multiple personalities have different mutant powers. Um, originally in the comic books, there was only three um, alters who just had uh, telekinesis, pyrokinesis, and telepathy. And as the character grew, you found out that actually he has a multitude and almost infinite number of um, personalities that have a multitude and infinite number of powers, and he can literally do anything and everything. Um, so in the TV show, so far we've only seen, well, we're getting glimpses that he does have more powers than just um, telepathy and telekinesis, and there are these, there's these two sort of warring factions trying to fight over him, and you're still not sure who's good, who's bad, um, what's going on, I think we're on the third or fourth episode now, um, this show also again suffers from with all of the characters that you can pull from why not use them <laughs> i just, like the, the character so far and again we're not getting a lot of character development except for legion because i think it's important i that you know we do get more legion because we don't know what personalities are happening with him yet but and i'm still not unconvinced that uh, some of these people might actually be multiple uh, some of his alter personalities but some of the people i'm like you couldn't just have used you know, someone in this spot. I don't know. It, it uh, again. It's my big nerd. Let me push up my nerd glasses and me being like, you ha- have just this whole universe of characters to choose from, and yet you're still just gonna create new ones. But anyway, it's cool. I'm really excited to see where else the show goes. I would go watch it. It's on my yeah, back. I've got I've got a fan theory about how it's all going to end. So that they're actually all still in <laughs> his mind because I think that's. Yeah, the, it was the, all a dream. The season finale is he's gonna be strapped to a bed, and you're gonna find out that the Shadow King was fucking with him the entire time. Ooh. This, oh, so oh, you think the the yellow fat guy is the Shadow King? Yeah. Ooh, that that could actually be really cool. <laughs> that's 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 been the thing we've been we like uh, with me and some other guys uh, friends of ours we've been discussing since the first episode, and like yeah, we're we're pretty sure. I mean, it could be it could be whoever it could be anything, but I think it's gonna all end with oh and. He's been fucking with him the entire time. So, 
That'd be pretty cool. Well, uh, Adam, what are your recommendations? So, back when Nintendo announced the Switch, I was one of its naysayers to look stupid as hell. Um, I need to offer a mea culpa because it's pretty fucking sweet. (laughs) 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 Actually, got some extra ones in uh, on launch day, which for when we're recording this was yesterday. Um, The only thing worth picking up as far as launch games go is the new Zelda game, but that is the most fantastic thing I've ever played. It's uh, it basically it's like if Skyrim and Dungeons and Dragons and Zelda had a baby. This is what you'd get. Um, It's cool because it's one of those things where literally anything you can do will work. So, um, do you have fire arrows? You want to go set some grass on fire? Cool. Hey, guess what? If you go jump over the fire and like hold your little like paraglider up, the um, the smoke will, like make you go higher. And, like it's it's really cool. It's really immersive, and wow. I'm having a great time with it. So, Todd, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, there's two things I've got here. For one, from you guys earlier, and I watched it. I watched the Goldbergs, and there Yay. was this episode where the uh, kid is wants to be the star of a school play musical and they're putting on Starlight Express. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. You really should watch it. It's hilarious. And then the other thing I'm super excited for, so that's my main recommendation, Goldberg's. It's funny. It's great. Awesome. One of the things I am is I absolutely love all things alien. So the new trailer for Alien Covenant came out and piss my pants. It looks like so much fun and it's so exciting. I just can't wait. I'm not normally a horror movie guy per se, but this looks like pure awesomeness to me. I absolutely can't wait to see Alien Covenant. So, yeah. Uh, so mine is sort of a, a service, I guess, because mm-hmm. I haven't necessarily been reading. I mean, I'm trying to read down my to-be-read pile, which means I'm reading lots of books that I've already read the first couple books in, so it's sort of weird to discuss, like, yeah, book number 27 of, uh, you know, Walking Dead I really enjoyed. Um, but so uh, me and my wife, you know, work a fair amount, and uh, we, you know, can't necessarily, we don't have jobs where we can kind of run home and take care of our dog. And there is actually a service called WAG. It's like an app on your phone. Um, and it's sort of like an Uber where you can have someone go and walk your dog for you. And you can schedule it on your phone and you can say, hey, at, you know, this time, can you go, you know, take my dog out for a walk? And you can, like, leave little notes for whatever. And they, uh, they, the walk is GPS tracked. So if you're missing your pup or whatever, you can look it up on, online or on your phone and you can watch where the dog's walking around the neighborhood. And some of the walkers will send little videos and then they'll send you a little picture and at the end they'll send you a little report card of like yes he peed and he pooped and he was good and he did whatever Yay! and, and Yay. the door was like something. and so like with you know my wife out of town and me being a single puppy parent and him being pretty small so he can't necessarily hold his bladder for the entire time while I'm at work uh, it's been awesome um, and you know uh, the people who walk him seem to leave glowing notes as to how much they love the puppy he seems very happy when I get home um, and so yeah it's it's it seems a little weird people are like you literally just let someone you don't know walk into your house and take your dog for a walk and i'm like yeah but you people also get into cars of complete strangers you know mm-hmm. what i mean with uber so mm-hmm. um but I mean, the whole system is insured and things like that. But it's so far we've had really good experiences with it. I don't know if it's available everywhere, but in Southern California it's available. And uh, if you recommend a friend, they'll give you like a week's worth of free walks. And then if you do enough walks with them, they'll send you know treats to your dog. They'll send you like little stuffed animals and things like that for your dog to chew up and torture. So, um, so yeah. So so far that's been great, and that's probably gonna be my recommendations for this week. Um, mm-hmm. So next week starts our new month, and we are doing uh, a month of women empowerment comics. It's, it's strong, strong women comics, which uh, I, I'm actually really excited about this. We have some really fun ones involved. Mm-hmm. Our first one, so next week, we're going to be doing Birds of Prey, which is a recommendation from Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q when we get back, I'll have you kind of give us a little preview of it. I'm just going to explain the rest of the month real fast. Mm-hmm. 
Following that is a recommendation I picked called Lady Killer, which is from Dark Horse Comics. Um, it's sort of the idea that uh, what happens if, uh, like, it's a 1950s housewife who's also a uh, contract killer on the side. So it's like Donna Reed is, you know, dropping the girls off at uh, ballet class and then going and murdering somebody and then coming back. Then we have Miss Marvel, which was Adam's recommendation, um, which I've also read. But uh, Adam, do you want to give a two cent tour on that one? Uh, no, because I haven't read it yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's basically then, it's, it's, uh, got Miss Marvel. She's Pamela, uh, uh, Camilla Khan. Or Pamela yes. Khan. And uh, the new thing is that she is actually a young Muslim girl. So yes. it's kinda, it took it and uh, was there to specifically piss off Republicans. So. Yeah, and but it's actually a great fun book. I really enjoyed it. And then the last one is going to be from Todd, which is a book that I've owned for probably a couple of years and still have yet to read it. So thank God for this, Todd. I will find <laughs> this fucking book because it has been on my to be read pile for a long time. Uh, we're doing uh, it's a spinoff book from the series Fables, which I love dearly, and we'll have mm-hmm. to do it at some point in time on the show. Uh, but it's called Cinderella from Fable Town with Love. Todd, do you want to give a two cent tour? Sure. So it's modern day. Cinderella is the Cinderella from the stories. However, she's now divorced from Prince Charming and she is a secret agent. So it's Cinderella being a secret agent adventurer with nemesis and the whole bit. It's awesome and a lot of fun. And then, of course, so next week, going back, we are doing Birds of Prey Volume 1. And uh, Q, this is your recommendation. Um, I don't think that it's actually Volume 1. Hold on one second as I look up. I would like to point out it's Q doing this Batman family book, by the way. <laughs> I just want to point that um, out. <laughs> first of all, Queen, back up off me because Blackberry is not Batman's sidekick. So, uh, we haven't done Batman in four months either. So. Um, <laughs> so it actually is um, Birds of Prey Volume 1, but it's not, but it's still. Yeah, it starts like it's so like, like 55 yeah, like that. 56. So it's volume 1 being that it's the first arc done by Gail Simone cuz I thought it was important mm-hmm. that um, we read Gail Simone's run on this book as um, as a female writer, um, getting her perspective on um, female superheroes. Um, so it is a um, team comprised of Black Canary, Oracle and Huntress and uh, they're just being badass superheroes. So uh, some fun back with tights. Uh, something a little less depressing <laughs> as uh, what we've had. Uh, so mm-hmm. tights and superpowers and you know action and adventure. So kind of back to our normal modus operandi. We'll be back with drinking games and cocktails um, and all that fun stuff. Uh, if anybody has anything else, we good? Nope, I think we're good. Good. Cool, cool. cool. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.